the I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Whatever you do, do not turn this show off today. I know it's Saturday. I know it's four o'clock. I know that everyone's got weekend plans that they want to get to. But if you are listening to this show today, do not turn this show off. And do not turn the show off, especially in the first half, because the first half, yes, I'm going to be talking a little bit about COVID and masks and mandates. And I know we're all tired of hearing it. But today it has a much larger point, a, a much larger point than I have ever given before. You do not want to turn this off. So don't turn this off. But before we get into the weeds of things, make sure that you go to uh, Twitter, follow me at The Petoni Show, follow me over on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, uh, The Locals, it's uh, criticalthinking.locals.com. Uh, if you want to become a subscriber, it's criticalthinking.locals.com backslash subscribe, which is five bucks a month. You can also check out the Critical Thinking Rumble page, it's Critical Thinking. Um, or rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Um, and then um, I'm also now on Getter, all of which at the Padoni Show. Um, please do check out the social media channels, um, the Rumble page, the Locals page. You do not want to miss what I'm about to be talking about here right now. First of all, we got to talk a little bit about COVID because this is going to directly tie into the overall theme of what I'm going to be getting into today. Okay. This is, this is not, this show is not so much about COVID or the mandates or anything like that in of itself. Um, it's about something much larger than that. First of all, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the, whole mask mandate and what's going on with COVID right now still within this country and then what's going on over in Europe. And I mentioned a little bit of this last week where we had Denmark and the UK uh, all lifting their COVID-19 restrictions. We know that they have been much more data-driven than what we have been here and they are lifting pretty much all if not most of their COVID restrictions and getting back to a normal way of life, which really should have happened two years ago, but better late than never. The question that now becomes is how long before we in the United States follow suit? And if you listened to the show last week, one of the big things that I mentioned there is that it's whenever it's going to be politically prudent for us to do so. It's never going to be about the science or the actual data behind anything. It's when it's going to be politically prudent um, to lift those federal mandates that uh, this Biden administration has in place. But getting ahead of myself, let's talk a little bit about this whole mask thing first. You've heard me say over the last two years that masks don't work. 
they don't work. We've had study after study. Um, we, we've we've brought up the research. We we've seen the data. We've seen some of the biggest restrictions in the world in countries like Israel and other states around this country having mask mandates and then also having massive spikes in COVID nineteen cases, hospitalizations, and even still death rates. By the way, that masks really aren't doing a damn thing to help anyone. And I'm going to put this out here right now. Um, what I'm about to, to read to you is actually coming from actual medical doctors. Uh, Dr. Vinay Prasad, an associate professor of epidemiology and biostatistics of the University of California, San Francisco, has written an article that examines the scientific evidence for masking children, concludes that most of the masks worn by kids for the most of the pandemic have likely done nothing to change the velocity and trajectory of the virus. There are downsides to face coverings for pupils and students, including detrimental impacts on communication in the classroom. Masking is now little more than appealing delusion. Decisions to masking school children are ignorant, cruel, fearful, and cowardly. Dr. Clay Roy, who specializes in airborne infectious diseases and is a professor of microbiology and immunology at Tulane University School of Medicine, has told the Washington Examiner that cloth and surgical masks do absolutely nothing to protect to, for protection from the ambient virus. All this song and dance wearing cloth masks from with some presumption that we're being protected from ambient virus is completely and positively 100% counter to how masks and respirators work. Uh, the Atlantic has published an analysis on school masking policies by three medical scholars, including Dr. Marjorie Smells. Smelkinson, a specialist in infectious disease at the National Institute of Health. Gee, wonder where I've heard of the National Institute of Health before. In which they wrote, we received a variety of studies that conclude some conducted by the CDC itself, some cited by the CDC as evidence masking effectiveness in a school setting and others touted by media to the same end to try to find evidence that would justify the CDC's no-end-in-sight mask guidance for the very low-risk pediatric population, particularly post-vaccination. We have come up empty-handed. The overall takeaway from these studies, the schools with mask mandates have lower COVID-19 transmission rates than schools without mask mandates, is not justified by the data and, and have been gathered. That have been gathered. As with our existing school mask policies, no real world data indicates that N95 masks decrease transmission in school settings. Data and matter greatly at the masks require a very tight fit and function effectively and may not be possible for many kids. Over the past 21 months, slowly with much resistance, the layers of mythology around COVID-19 mitigation in schools have been peeled away each time without producing much Bollywood increases in COVID-19. Schools did and become hotspots when they reopened 
nor when they reduced physical distancing, nor when they eliminated deep cleaning protocols. These layers are peeled away because the evidence supporting them was weak and they had substantial downsides for children's educational education and health. COVID-19 hospitalizations have remained extremely low among children on par with pediatric flu hospitalizations during the typical season, imposing millions of children at intervention that provides little discernible benefits on the grounds we have not gathered solid evidence of its effect of its negative effects violates the most basic tenet of medicine first do no harm uh and then in an article published on christmas eve cnn medical analyst dr lena wen Uh, confessed that cloth masks are little more than facial decorations and this is what scientists and public health officials have been saying for months and many months in fact yet she fails to tell us the entire truth and instructs people to wear n95 masks without conveying their harm or the fact that the gold standard studies have only found inconsistent benefits from n95s in healthcare settings much less community settings Oh, and then Fox News has published an article about how YouTube suspended Rand Paul for questioning the effectiveness of cloth masks and the CDC's edging closer to Paul's views. The article then links to Just Facts research on masks document the fact that the several studies have shown cloth masks are not effective in stopping the spread of viruses like the coronavirus. So been saying this for two years that masks don't work and now what was considered to be misinformation as a mere matter of months ago uh is now becoming actual fact funny how this all works that the truth is now coming out and what are we doing are we lifting mandates in some areas we are and here in the state of Utah, we really, I mean, we really don't have any mandates anymore. Um, they tried to implement a mask mandate in Salt Lake County about a month ago, which was then struck down by the state legislature. So that's not happening. Um, and it's not going to happen again because they show little to no effects. And, and the, the politicians that claim to say, well, we've, we've, seen the, we've seen the data, we've seen the science. No, they haven't. No, they clearly haven't. And if they have, they clearly don't understand what they're looking at because they don't work. The data is in. The analysis is in. The final verdict on this is in, whether you like it or not. But our country seems to be content on, let's continue on with the federal mandates. Let's let's continue to uh, encourage states to enforce mandates. Let's continue to encourage businesses since we can't get a, a federal mandate for all, all um, public businesses run through. Let's encourage them to enforce their own mandates, which honestly might have been the plan all along is to kind of force businesses and private businesses to enforce mandates on their own people to get a therapeutic that is no longer really all that effective. But here we are. And to our shame, to our shame, we now have the UK, Denmark, pretty much all of your Scandinavian countries that are 
reducing, if not eliminating, all of their COVID-19 mandates. Now, again, like I said a few minutes ago, they've been much more data-driven than we've been. I'm not saying I agree with their policies and how they handle things. I'm just saying what they did was more data-driven than what we have done here. So, we are still, still doing it. To our shame, countries that are more progressive, more leftist than us are beating us to the punch. A country, by the way, America, that is supposed to be having one of its founding tenets to be about liberty and freedom. And we're being outclassed by a bunch of countries that that don't necessarily hold these values to be true in the same regards that we do. They don't. It is to our shame. So, as I said before, our government will only end the federal mandates when it's politically expedient for them to do so. Now, the question is, when is that going to be? Uh, if you've listened to Critical Thinking with Andrew Coppins, one of his predictions is that it'll it'll end by this coming spring. Um, so probably like April-ish is when it will end. Yeah, I'm not sure that I, I necessarily hold that same opinion. Um, it's possible. I, I, I hope that he is correct on this. I kind of wonder if it's going to last through the coming 2022 election. Why? Because what they were able to do with the voting boxes last time in 2020 at the height of this pandemic, will they try to do those kinds of things again? I think time will tell. Now, I agree with Andrew Coppins that it would be smarter for them to do this in April because then it takes it off of the plate for the next roughly six, seven months until the election off the plates of the GOP for them to use as a cudgel in the actual election. But we also have places in this country right now that are are wanting to limit indoor dining and to limit um, any kind of gathering still and almost essentially go back to full lockdown again. Uh, Government lockdowns, by the way, the the, the verdict is in on this, too. And, And this is what our government did, by the way, under Donald Trump, mind you, uh, that our government lockdowns, they equal to point. 2% improvement in mortality rate. That's it. 0.2%. So it really ultimately did nothing. It did absolutely nothing to lock down, stay home, don't go to work, don't go out, don't go out to eat, don't go see friends, don't go see family, don't go do any of that. It did absolutely nothing. So... Now we are in this situation where we have other countries that are doing something about it, that are, that are doing things that we should have been doing a long time ago. If we look to our neighbors to the north, um, Canada, that's doing the, um, the, uh, the whole trucker thing, um, where all, all the truckers from Alberta to all the way to Ottawa um, have had lined up and made their way to Ottawa um, and in protest of all of the COVID-19 mandates that are still within Canada. My question is, when are we going to do something like that in the United States? Are we going to do something like that in the United States? Should we? And we talked a little bit about this this week, but we didn't get too much into the weeds of it. 
is how? How do we get our government to shut down these mandates, to give us back our liberty, to to stop infringing upon our liberty um, anymore? Because clearly what we have done, this entire pandemic has not really worked. It's been ineffective at best, yet they're, they're, they're still touting uh, uh, misinformation and, and blaming people like Joe Rogan for misinformation and trying to censor him and to use the bully pulpit of the government to push Spotify into uh, getting to, to dumping Joe Rogan. What, what are we to do, folks? Because here's here's the ultimate point. And as I said, as I started the show, this show is really less about COVID than it is about this central theme. What are we to do when our government is using the bully pulpit to silence us? Because if and I say us, because if they can do this to Joe Rogan, if the government wins and they succeed and what and getting Spotify to to take down Joe Rogan? Not that he needs Spotify, by the way. But if they can succeed, what's to say that they can't succeed in doing that with the rest of us? If they can do it to Joe Rogan, they can pretty much do it to anybody at this point. So, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? Well. Talking with Andrew off air, we had we had some ideas because simple protests, we've seen them around the world. They don't really work. The, those governments, especially in places where you've seen a lot of protests, they keep doing it. And so um, they, they keep doing it and uh, they they. For what? They keep protesting. The government still keep their mandates in place. What is it all for? Protests don't really work. What about uh, walkouts? Walkouts from work or from schools? Maybe, maybe it could work. It, it would almost be ironic because when the government first did lockdowns, it put a lot of people out of work and they lost their livelihoods over it. Uh, if we did walkouts or something like that, um, would we not be fundamentally putting ourselves in that position at that point? That's my question with that one. Um, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the most effective way to go. Maybe taking your kids out of school, that could work in some areas. I think in some areas like Chicago, they would almost welcome it. Um, and, and, and run with it. I don't know that it's going to work in every area within the country. It just doesn't seem feasible, if you will. So my idea was, was something like this. What if we did something that made the Civil Rights March um, during the time of Martin Luther King what if we did something like that where they did the march on Washington, D.C.? What if we did something that made that look small? Now, that movement was about 250,000 people, give or take. 
what if we did something that was a few million people? What if we had a march on D.C. to let them know that this isn't okay anymore? And to do so, by the way, I need to make this perfectly clear. In a nonviolent manner. No violence whatsoever. That we respect the boundaries um, that is of law so that we respect the boundary of law and and that we don't do anything that would dishonor ourselves, our families, or, or God, that we do so peacefully. And we do, show, do so by showing a strength of numbers, not necessarily by a strength of force. And to show D.C. and the D.C. elites that we still yet may be in a minority, but there are enough of us to make them feel pain, to make them shake in their boots a little bit. Because, see, here's the thing. They are still touting January 6th, and January 6th, like those that are actually guilty, deserve to be in prison because that that should have never happened. But... It did. And I'm not suggesting that we do anything of the sort. I am suggesting that you march on the White House, that you march on the Capitol building, that you stay on the outside of it and surround it and make your voices heard. Do something like what these truckers did in Ottawa, where they they went into uh, Ottawa, they gathered around, and then they all wailed on their horns. Doing something like that, that's what I'm suggesting. I'm not saying it has to be a trucker's movement. I'm just saying doing something like this. I don't know that I can think of a better option. That's that's where I'm at with this, folks. Because if we wait, we're going we're gonna to wait until the government is going to feel like it's politically expedient to remove all of these mandates. That's what's going to happen unless we, the people, act. So what do we do? Again, this must be nonviolent. The moment that this turns violent, we lose. We lose. And I'll be honest. I, I'm not sure that this is going to work. I have no idea if this can work. What I do know is that we have to do something. Because I would rather go down swinging than give up my liberty. I would rather go down swinging than have the government boot to our necks. That's what I would rather do. But of course, again, and I will say this again and again and again, for those that that might try to misconstrue my words, this must be nonviolent. No violence, no nothing of the sort. This must be done peacefully. This must be done maybe in a loud way, maybe a little bit obnoxious, but not violent. Because we will lose the moment it turns violence. And if it turns to violence, it basically vindicates the government 
and everything that they have been saying for the last few years. It gives them the justification that they need. And I know what you're all thinking. Well, what if what if they turn violent on us and, and what if we need to defend ourselves? Well, then let them make the first move. Because if the government turns violent on its own people for protesting, for doing something that is within their right, by the way, then, then they're going to have a much bigger problem on their hands. I don't know what else to do. I, because we will keep repeating this cycle over and over and over again until our government feels the pain that we have all felt for the last two years. They will use any future pandemic to do these things over and over and over again because the precedence is set. They will do it. Mark my words. Before I head into break here, if you haven't yet gone to AmericanPrideRoasters.com, you need to. They have all sorts of great products over there um, in terms of coffee, coffee drops, all sorts of great flavors. You can support local business. All you got to do is go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com. That is AmericanPrideRoasters.com. You're listening to the Pat O'Neill Show right here on Mojo Five O, and I will be right back right after this break. Like you slept on a cloud. Get yourself the very best in bedding supplies today. You deserve it. Go to MyPillow.com. And don't forget our very special promo code, Mojo50, for incredible savings. Supply chain disruptions, shortages, panic buying. Unfortunately, they've all become facts of life in 2021. The good news is you have preparewithmojo50.com. Not only will you find emergency food supplies, also water filtration, air filtration, all sorts of other tools. Preparewithmojo50.com. If you want to keep food on the table, if you just want to maintain some sense of normalcy, preparewithmojo50.com is the answer. Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill. Compare that to prices as high as $60 per tablet. These pills work for men and women to improve their sexual performance. And now for the price of two or three pills, you can get nearly 100. There's no need to pay expensive prices for Viagra or Cialis. Call now with your prescription and pay as little as $2 a pill. We offer 24-7 service and always free delivery and confidential packaging. Change your life for the better and have fun. Call Pharmacy Shop 24-7 to get generic versions of Viagra or Cialis for as little as $2 a pill plus free discreet shipping. 800-627-3988 That's 800-627-3988 Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. I was busy eating this delicious meal from preparewithmojo50.com. You look hungry. Do you want some? Of course you do. Get your own. You can go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. You can't have mine.
Welcome back to the Pat Oni Show right here on Mojo 5 I'm your host, Pat Oni. Follow me over on Twitter at The Pat Oni Show. Uh, follow me over on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and also over on the locals. It's criticalthinking.locals.com backslash subscribe if you want to become a subscriber. It's just five bucks a month. Uh, also, find me now over on Getter. Um, yes, I finally broke down and got Getter um, because I, I think I'm honestly like many others, are on borrowed time on places like Facebook and Twitter. In fact, I've been doing a lot less with my Facebook page and my Instagram page. Granted, I was never much of an Instagram guy to begin with, but I am doing less with those and more on other platforms now than than I've done in the past. So um, follow me over on Getter, especially if you want to catch my content and uh, hear what's going on in this crazy, crazy world. Uh, I'd love to have you follow me over there if you're over on get her as well um okay so um i have an an update here uh an evan mcmullen update specifically um as you know i've repeatedly have invited evan mcmullen on the show either via social media or directly outreaching his campaign to only hear nothing back whatsoever now, I am a potential constituent of Evan McMullen. Uh, you would think that he would want to come on my program and to at least, you know, get asked some some questions and being able to somewhat promote his campaign. But I'm also going to ask him some of the tough questions um, that he doesn't seem to be too willing to answer. Well, you see, the update is this. The Salt Lake Tribune, and take this for what it's worth because it's the Salt Lake Tribune, um, independent Evan McMullen outraged Senator Mike Lee in the latest FEC fundraising disclosures. As if that's like some great and glamorous thing. Um, first of all, they're not in the height of election season yet. I mean, they're, they're just starting to warm up. They're just getting ready for caucus season here in another month or so. Um, and uh, that'll be a thing. Um, that's That's what's happening as of right now is that we'll, we'll have a caucus here in another month. Fundraising, my question is, does, does, does Mike Lee need the fundraising that Evan McMullen does? Um, that would be my first question. That's not something that this article necessarily discloses, right? Because I can tell you right now, the Solic Tribune doesn't really like Mike Lee all that much. Um, they would much rather have an Evan McMullen type, or better yet, a more progressive type uh, as a senator in the state of Utah than they would Mike Lee. But Evan McMullen and his organization have uh, touted what they deem to be extremists on the right and have endorsed many on the left that you know support Joe Biden and, and other leftist progressive candidates. And he wants to become... A senator here in the red state of Utah. Now, Evan McMullen reported $1,032,938 in donations. Mike Lee reported $523,142. But Lee has more than $2.16 million in cash reserves to McMullen's Seven hundred and two thousand seven hundred and forty-five. So they're touting this as this if this is like some great amazing thing that they are that that Evan McMullen's going to have some major momentum against Mike Lee in this election. Yes, I know fundraising does make a difference in elections. It really, really does. 
Um, it affects what you're able to do. It affects how you're able to market your campaign. It affects a lot of things. Uh, it also gets the attention of other bigger donors and things like that as well. So it does have an impact. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this is not this is not going to help Evan McMullen at the end of the day. That's not what I'm saying. I am, however, saying just because you have better fundraising for a quarter does not mean you're going to win the election. Remember uh, Francis Beto O'Rourke back in the 2020 election? He had some of the biggest donors and some of the biggest fundraising, and then he was out early in that election cycle. So, yes, state Senate elections are different than presidential elections. I get that. But fundraising does not mean everything in this case. So I wouldn't get too cocky if I'm Evan McMullen because, you know, he still owes give or take $670 million from his presidential campaign in 2020 or no, 2016, 2016, his presidential campaign. He still owes $670 million. Owes that money, by the way. So... My, my question is, is um, a little over a million dollars. I mean, that's uh, maybe got him down to about $669 million now to, to pay off those debts. So, you know, I, I, I don't really uh, see this as a bragging matter um, because it's not. It's really not. And the Salt Lake Tribune is trying to make it seem like so. And so is Evan McMullen for that matter. And, you know, I would love to ask Evan McMullen about it, you know, because he's claiming success over Mike Lee and that how he's beating Mike Lee over this. Um, it's really not that's all that successful at the end of the day. It really isn't. So I, I just I don't understand why he won't come on the show. I mean, I, I will give him a fair shake, even though I've been critical of him individually, I will give him a fair shake. I will ask him questions, but I'm also going to ask him some tough questions. And I think that's why he's not willing to come on the shows because he does not want to answer those questions and he doesn't want to hurt himself in any possible way because he knows he doesn't have any good answers for them. So there's your Evan McMullen update. So, um, if you were listening to the show in the, uh, first half I was talking a little bit about the the COVID-19 mandates and how, to our shame, um, the rest of the world is starting to open up and relax their COVID-19 mandates, if not eliminate them altogether, and we're not. And these are countries that are more progressive and leftist than we are, and these are also countries that do not hold freedom or liberty in the same way that America does. So, to our shame... That is happening. And to our shame, what's going on in Canada right now should be something that is going on here. And it's not, at least not yet. It probably should be, though. Um, And by the way, uh, I don't think Justin Trudeau's come out of hiding yet. I think he is still having run away. Um, He has signaled that he is not going to be using the Canadian National Guard or anything because there isn't any need to because there's no violence. Um, it's just annoying and obnoxious and they've made themselves loud and they are making themselves heard in Canada. We should be doing the same thing here. Uh, 
being annoying, being obnoxious, being loud, being proud, and making our government feel some pain. Because the reason why Justin Trudeau took off hiding is, well, first of all, he is a bit of a coward anyway. That's that's not uh, not a not a unknown fact, but that's making them feel pain. It's made them feel some pain. Now, are they going? Is the Canadian truckers and the, and the protests going to win at the end of the day? I don't know. I, I have my doubts, and I have my doubts that we would be able to win it here. I do. I have my doubts, but I would rather go down swinging and lose outright then do absolutely nothing. And that's why I think we, we probably ought to be doing something like this. And I'm thinking it needs to be something that makes the Civil Rights March look small. Because I don't know that 250,000 is going to do it. I mean, that's still a lot of people. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. And it, and it made a difference. I'm thinking it needs to be somewhere within the millions. But I could be wrong. It could be less than that. I'm just saying that number because I think that's probably the safest bet that we've got. But what does this all lead to? That's the ultimate point of the show is what, what do the, it's less about the mandates and about COVID than what about this all leads to this leads to something far greater than just the COVID-19 mandates in of itself. It's setting a very dangerous precedent for the future of this country, for what we've allowed our government to do. I mean, we allowed our government to lock us down for how long? And what did that do? Did it help? If you listen to the first half of the show, you know it didn't. 0.2% is what it did. This is the difference it made in the mortality rate. That's it. Very little next to nothing. It really did nothing at the end of the day. Masks have not worked. But government continues to do this anyway. It's a power grab. And this is probably the biggest, this is the biggest power grab by government that I have seen in my lifetime. And I struggled to find a better example in history where our government did a much larger power grab than this. I I struggled to find a time. Um, where they have taken away the liberty of individuals in this country, where they they have impacted our lives to where we have felt pain in the last two years, where we have listened to people like Anthony Fauci and suffered the consequences when we really shouldn't have in the first place. When many of us have gone through all the steps of critical thinking and dared to question the narrative of our government, And we've been deemed as those spreading misinformation, even though we've cited study after study after study from doctors, by the way, from universities, from experts. But for whatever reason, when we do that, it's deemed as misinformation. Look at what they did to Joe Rogan or what they're trying to do to Joe Rogan. I mean, Spotify just removed 70 episodes of Joe Rogan of the Joe Rogan experience. Now, I'm hoping, and I don't, I, I, but I don't think that this is the case. I'm hoping that they were just really old episodes that they got rid of. That that's my hope, because I I can I can understand that. Like if they're just so old, like like let's just dump those episodes. I get it. I I know radio networks that do that all the time, but I don't know that I believe that that's the case. 
Now, Joe Rogan's come out and said in the last day or so that, you know, there, there are things that he wished that he, in, in some of his older episodes, that he wished that he had presented better or um, that he may have gotten wrong or wh- whatever have you. As someone that does this, there is not a single person in media, in radio, in journalism that has not said something wrong or misrepresented something at some point in time. I've been wrong at times. I'm sure of it. I could be wrong today for all I know. It's possible. Andrew's been wrong. And we've always tried to admit when we've been wrong. And it's okay to be wrong from time to time. No one's perfect. No one's infallible. But having having some regrets of some things that you've said in the past and how you've presented them, everybody's got that. If you've, if you've been doing this long enough, everyone's got it. That doesn't give a, a movement in this country the right to, to censor someone because you don't agree with them. And also to Rogan's point, he brought up this point the other day on social media. What was considered misinformation a few months ago is now considered fact. How all of that has just magically changed. How all of a sudden masks don't work again. Because remember, when the very beginning of this pandemic, Fauci even said, masks won't work. We, we, we don't need to go down the mask. And then a couple of weeks later, he's like, yeah, everyone needs to wear a mask. And then now here we are two years later saying masks don't work when people like me have been saying it for two years. But we were deemed as crazy and spreading misinformation. They don't work. At least not in the way that everyone thought they would. So what was the point of all of it? Why why are people being censored? Why are they being claimed that they are spreading misinformation? Because one of the biggest spreaders of misinformation in this country has been Dr. Anthony Fauci himself. Excuse me. Our Lord, Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci. And even this Biden administration has been spreaders of misinformation. Yet, no one's trying to censor them. So what does this all lead to? If they first of all, if they can if they can go after Joe Rogan, they can go after anybody. If they can if they can make if they can get Joe Rogan deplatformed from Spotify, they can get anybody deplatformed. And by they I mean the government. Using the bully pulpit of the government to influence free speech, which is deplorable, by the way. So what does this all lead to? Is this not a sign of a sign of the times showing us where we truly are as a state, as a nation? Are we not there? Are we not in a time of great reset? The great reset, whether we like it or not, it's been among us for some time. It's not going anywhere. It's not something that we can just stop at this point. And I know, how do I know this? Because let's look at where we are as a country today, as a people. We can't even agree on the same principles anymore. We can't. We can't do it. And 
we've gotten to the point where people are starting to question, can we live with people that do not share these values? Can we share a nation with them? Can we do that? Perhaps not, not anymore. It's one thing to disagree on any given topic. It's another thing when you disagree, hate each other, and don't no longer share at least the very same basic principles and values. So what happens here? What do we do? I, I, I don't believe that there's a way to stop this great, great reset, but, but that doesn't mean we can't win. And there will be a winner and loser in this. And this will likely take years. This will likely be something that we will be fighting for a very long time. And it may be one of those things that it's a lifetime. I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't I don't know how long this is going to take or even what it's truly going to take at the end of the day. But in the future, um, especially for this show, I'm actually going to be talking about this great reset in more detail in the weeks to come, or at least that's the plan. Um, and going into this, and and I will I will play this by ear week to week based upon what what's going on in current events, but. This is this is the route that I'm going down. Is this idea of this great reset and and what are, what do we got to do? What do we got to do to win at the end of the day? Because here's the thing: these COVID nineteen restrictions, they were just the beginning. They are a symptom of the overall problem, and we can go back and we could probably find other policies and issues that that are contributing to this idea of the great reset as well. But this is probably the biggest and most obvious one that I've seen in my lifetime. If I could go through, you know, I, I really could go through the laundry list of what we should do. And that laundry list of being, you know, get involved with your school boards, your local elections, um, your your local government and, and start there. And then that would be a great place to start, but I'm, I'm not going to do that because I think that's just really scratching the surface of how we handle this idea of a great reset. First of all, I, and I think this is probably, these aren't numbered in any particular order, but this is probably one of the more important ones. Churches must start teaching about the gospel of Jesus Christ and stand against the gospel of the world. In other words, Churches can no longer be of the world. They have to be t- doing something much deeper, much more spiritual, much more in depth in teaching about Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that this is particular to any one faith or or not. It, it's whatever your faith is, there needs to be more of Christ at the pulpit and less of what's going on in the world and then caving to the demands of the world. Churches can be part of the world, but they don't need, or they could be of the world, but they don't need to be part of the world. Let's put it that way. That's that's what needs to happen. There needs to be more about Jesus Christ and less about what's going on in the world and less about the societal pressures that we are now facing today. Um, government must be held to a standard of which it was created, and that was to protect the rights of all people. 
politics must be used to help America not for power grabs. Um, and, and that's what we've been seeing for years is party after party, specifically the GOP and the Democrats fighting for this power struggle. Oh, just give me the power. Just give me the power and we'll make everything better. That's not how this works. That's not what they're meant to do. It's not about to be a power grab between two parties. It's supposed to be about the citizens that they serve. But it hasn't been for either party for some time. This also addiction to outrage, it's got to stop. It has to stop. We have to learn how to respect each other's liberty again. Even if we disagree with each other's choices, as long as we are not harming anyone, as long as we are not um, infringing upon other people's liberty, um, people should be should be free to live how they see fit, and we can li- and we can learn to share these ideas or these ideals once more. And those that don't share these ideals, those that that are addicted to control and want that power grab and don't want to respect individual liberty and don't want to respect other people should be cast out because those are the people that we can no longer live with. And we must promote peace through liberty. That is something that must happen. And then this is probably going to be the one that probably stirs up the most controversy, at least amongst this audience. But I have to go down this road. We have to elect leaders that will protect these things and our liberty, that preserve these principles and values. We must elect good and moral people. So this is what this means. And I I know this is going to drive a lot of people crazy because I know there are a lot of uh, big Donald Trump supporters in this audience, and that's okay. Uh, You can still support Donald Trump. That's fine. But if we want our country back, if we want to get get back down this road, if we want to win the ultimate great reset, I don't think Donald Trump can be president again. Of all the controversy that has surrounded him, of all the bad things that he actually has done and all and for all of his moral failings, while he may have done some good things in this country, while he may have had some good policies that I even agreed with, by the way, and I have stuck up for him many times. But this election, and I'm not saying, I'm not going to go down the road of saying 2024 is going to be the most important election of our lifetime. I'm not going to do that because everybody does that with every election and that's stupid. But the point I'm trying to make is if this is truly about America, we have to move on from Donald Trump because if Donald Trump runs again, this is going to be more about him and his ego than it is going to be about America. And how do I know this? Look at his recent comments about what he said about him being the 45th and the 47th president. This is about him. He's, he's not taken the loss well, and I, I don't disagree that he should have taken it well. It was stolen from him. But at some point, you move on, you fight another day. That doesn't mean that you go on and you run for office again. Maybe you have other means of being able to 
truly make a difference in this world. We have seen people in this world make more difference than presidents. Being the president is not the end-all, be-all. Having the power is not the end-all, be-all to truly make a difference and to win this great reset at the end of the day. It's not. Donald Trump will not solve the problem of the great reset. He won't. He can't. I don't disagree that Joe Biden is part of the problem and that he needs to be out of office for a multitude of reasons, mostly because of his mental health at this point, because I I don't think that he is mentally fit to lead this country. I don't think Kamala Harris is mentally fit to lead this country. Granted, she's probably more mentally fit than Joe Biden at this point, but, you know, so is a five-year-old. The point I'm making is that there are other people out there, other people that are of good moral standing, other people that can truly make a difference, that can truly use the the power of that office to really in, enforce some good and to really enforce some good old-fashioned American values like our individual liberty. That's what we should be looking for in a candidate. I'm not saying Ron DeSantis is that type. I think he's probably more so than Donald Trump. I'm not saying he he's the clear winner of that, but as Americans, don't you don't you think that we have the responsibility to make sure that the right people get put into office? The right people that for those on the other side of the political spectrum we can at least find some common ground with. I'm not saying we compromise our principles and values. I'm saying we need to to have leaders that can unite us in such a way that we are united in principles and values at at a core level, even though we might disagree on things like health care and tax policy. That's what I'm getting at. That's, That's where we have to start. And so we can't hold on to the past. We have to move forward. We have to lick our wounds rest, heal, and then get back up and start fighting and being vigilant evermore. Because if we don't, if we don't do this, we will lose. We will lose. And we may even lose yet, even if we do all of these things, because absolute power corrupts absolutely. We still may lose all of these things at the end of the day. We we might. I can't promise that we're going to win. No one can. No one, no one will ever be able to. But I would rather go down swinging and saying, when I meet my maker and, and be able to say to him, I did the best I could. And I know some of this, for some of this audience, might make me sound like a crazy person. It might make me sound less credible and, and, and maybe if, if I even had any credibility at all. It It might. But this is, this is something that has been going on in my head for a while. And this is something that I, I, I honestly, I think I truly believe at the end of the day that we, we have to do something about this. It's going to come down to you and me being the answer. It's going to come down to all of us being the answer, not to our elected officials, not to our government, but to have real leaders, real good moral leaders that are leading us and that are willing to fight and protect all of our liberty.
And with that said, you should get prepared by going to preparewithmojo50.com, getting yourself a food emergency food supply kit today, and being sure that you are being prepared. Because if we're going to go down this road, we're all going to have to be prepared. So go to preparewithmojo50.com. You've been listening to the Pat Oni Show right here on Mojo 50. I will be back Monday with Andrew Coppins on Critical Thinking. Until then, don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And let's go, Brandon. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five O. The I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba.